Hey everybody, how y'all doing? Welcome back to another episode of Everybody's Homegirl Podcast with me, your favorite homegirl, Tracy Cass. I'm so excited about today's guest. I can hardly keep it in. It's like I'm a fan. Well, I want you all to meet my new friend, Cynthia Freeman Gibbs. She is a native of Lansing, Michigan, and she earned her Bachelor of Science degree in Business Administration and her MBA from Florida A&M University in Tallahassee, Florida. But what I want you all to know about Cynthia is that she is an author of three books, Reasonable Insanity, Insatiable Revenge, and Jack Dante LeBanks and The Beanstalk. I invited her on the show to pick her brain about all things writing. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. So stay tuned and enjoy. Hey, Sora. Hey, Sarah. How are you doing today? I am doing great. I am. It's a happy Saturday. Happy yeah. Resurrection Weekend. Yes. How was your week? Uh, it was good. It was good. Had a lot of fun things going on, and uh, it's hard to believe it's already the weekend. But yeah, it was. It was wonderful. How was yours? It was good. I was listen. I was looking forward to. Good Friday because we had it off. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to do anything, but I did end up I ended up helping my friend fix my fence. And so I ended up working anyway. But it's not bad because I'm now I'm glad my fence is fixed. Oh yeah, you were productive. That's a good thing. I tried to be. Well, I guess I should introduce you to my listeners today on the show. I have a new friend, uh, Sarah Cynthia F. Gibbs. She's an author and a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, the best sorority in the land. <laughs> she yes. is also a graduate of Florida A&M University. FAMU. She has a Bachelor of Science degree and an MBA, I believe, Business Administration. And she left the job in corporate America to pursue a full-time writing career. So I asked her on the show. She's written like three books so far. And so I asked her on the show to come and talk about her book. Um, so that's pretty much it. I guess I should tell them how I met you, why you're my new friend. I Last year, our sorority does, it's called Delta authors on tour and it's basically a program where through our arts and letters committee where they put together this tour of delta authors to help support their work and so to help get their name out there and last year was virtual and so I got a chance to attend and she was one of the featured authors and she was from San Antonio so I'm always trying to support local and I bought a book and I've Remember, my friend Liz is in San Antonio alumni. I was like, Liz, there's an author on here from um, San Antonio alumni. Do you know? And she was like, yeah, she cool, blah, blah, blah. And I, I can make y'all connect. And my scary self, I was like, okay, okay. But I'm not ready yet. <laughs> Wait till I'm ready. So it took a full year before I finally said, okay, Liz, I have some questions. You think she was talking to me? And we met via Zoom. And I, well, I kept you on the phone for like an hour. <laughs> an hour and a half. 
and, and she pretty much like gave me so much information. And then I was like, I wonder if she would be on the show. And you agreed right away. So I appreciate you and thank you for that. I've talked too much. I guess I should tell. No, ask- not at all. <laughs> uh, what else do you want people to know about you? Uh, well, that. Uh, but first of all, thank you for inviting me to be on the show. And I just, I'm wondering, why were you afraid to call me for a year? So <laughs> Crazy, crazy. <laughs> but, um, I'm originally from Lansing, Michigan, oh, okay. and uh, moved to San Antonio in 2002. And by way of after I graduated, I moved to Des Moines, Iowa, and then to Dallas, and then came here following a promotion. And um, that's how I ended up here and uh, met my husband on a blind date. And oh, okay. we are married uh, going on 13 years. So, oh, that's good. That's what good. a journey. I love it. It really has been. <laughs> so, you were in corporate America before. Like, what did you do? Where did you work? Um, so, I started off uh, with Merck and Company, a pharmaceutical company, and actually, hooked up with them as an intern. So I did two internships with them while I was at Florida A&M. And upon graduation, they hired me to be a pharmaceutical sales representative. And so that's how I ended up in Des Moines, Iowa. And then I uh, was promoted to a professional development trainer where I trained new hires for the sales force and then uh, was promoted to executive business, became a business manager and then promoted to executive business manager. And I finished my career after 22 years as a medical group account executive. And uh, that ended because we went through a corporate downsizing and I thought I was going to be with them until I retired, old and retired. But instead, uh, with this downsizing, I was laid off. So uh, that was the end of my pharmaceutical career. And I decided I was good, didn't need to go back in. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So I guess that will lead me to your writing career. So what was your writing origin story? You know, you hear sometimes people say, well, I used to write all the time or I wrote poems when I was young. And then sometimes you hear people say, well, I did, I just discovered it, you know, later in life. So what was your story? So I grew up in a family where reading was important. And so we would participate in reading as fundamental and go to the library and come home with stacks of books and Um, Everyone came to the dinner table with a book. And so reading has always been a lifelong passion, but I never really thought, oh, I'm going to be a published writer. I just, um, you know, I keep journals, um, tried my hand at writing a couple of times. My dad asked for me to write a book about my mother. So we would talk on the phone and I basically, I guess you could say I was kind of like his ghostwriter <laughs> and writing a book about my mother for her birthday. And then um, back in 2010, I had this idea that I was going to write a book about newlywed couples because I was a newlywed and um, but I didn't have the time didn't have time to sit down and write. So I put it away, never did anything else with it. And it wasn't until I got laid off that I was trying to figure out what was next for my life and spent about a year trying to figure it out, doing different things. And, but it wasn't until I lost a friend to suicide. Mm. And um, there was this particular day in 20, 
2015, mm -hmm. actually, I'm sorry, 2016, that I heard a song on the radio and I thought about her and it used to be a song where I would hear it and I'd pick up the phone and call her. Well, I was mad because I couldn't call her because she was gone. And um, so I decided to go to the library, get a book to read, to just kind of relax, not think about it. But instead I came home and I opened my laptop and I started typing. And that's when I started writing, uh, creating the story that became Reasonable Insanity. I wrote four chapters in three hours, oh, sent wow. it to my family. And I was like, hey, you know, what do you guys think about this? And they're like, girl, this sounds good. Keep on writing. So I had created this character who was multidimensional and fun and adventurous, but full of drama and uh, without regard for the people that she hurts and pulls into her shenanigans. And so um, after I wrote it, took four months to write it and then decided I wanted to find a publisher. I found a publisher. That's a whole nother story in itself. And uh, but that's how that's how I began um, writing. OK, OK. And now you have three books. You have Reasonable Insanity, Insatiable mm -hmm. Revenge. And Jack Dante LeBanks and the Beanstalk. <laughs> so let's talk about <laughs> Reasonable Insanity. That's the book that I purchased. And that's the one where her name is Dr. Uh, Olivia Maxwell, correct? Mm -hmm. uh, kind of give me a brief synopsis, you can, of the story. Okay. 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 Yep. So uh, the story follows Dr. Olivia's life, first of all, during her college years in Tallahassee. And where she is, is coming from a background of a, from a family with a family that treat her differently because she's a darker skin tone. They were all lighter skin. So she doesn't feel beautiful. And so she ends up um, looking for love in all the wrong places, having low self-esteem and self-image issues. So she ends up experimenting with bulimia and diuretic and diet pill abuse. Um, and also she is also looking at, I'm sorry, that's the wrong part. She's dealing with colorism, yeah. how her family members treat her, but also bulimia. And so she carries this baggage into her life as where she becomes a clinical psychologist and ends up looking for um, love in all the wrong places and, and ends up in these relationships where men do her wrong. And when they do, she gets her revenge and figures that her insanity is reasonable. Listen, she, I, I was so mad at her. <laughs> I took her because, you know, I'm just like, just love yourself first. Why are you putting up with these nutcases? I, I thought it was so interesting that she was a psychologist, but she had these serious mental health problems. And I'm like, first of all, you're the psychologist, but you take taking breaks to go vomit. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, who takes care of the caretakers? Exactly. And that's a real thing, you know. And then with the whole, you know, because I think it, from what I remember, it kind of started with her mother. Yeah. You know, kind of making her feel bad about being dark, comparing her to her sister, from what I remember. Mm -hmm. And from that, it was like anybody that any guy that showed her uh, any attention, she was in love. And then yeah. her she took her friend Savvy along for the Savannah, <laughs> along for the ride. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> but it was really, really good. I, and I was I just wanted to know what made you want to 
how did you decide or what made you want to do a character that had mental health issues, but also worked in the mental health industry? Like, how did you come? Was that just a natural progression or was that on purpose? You know, mm-hmm. why did you take that approach? So I, I was drawn to creating this character, just thinking about how many women that I know walk around where they manage to wear a mask and it seems like, oh, their life is together. They got the mm-hmm. job, they got the education, the husband, the kids and the career and, you know, just living the life of um, that other people admire. But yet behind the mask, they're actually dying mm-hmm. and, you know, decaying and suffering. And so that's what made me think, you know, I, I want to create a character like that. And what would be a good contrast? Because it's like, you know, who do you think should have their life together? Oh, a psychologist. So that's how I decided to make her a psychologist. And it's interesting because when I have book discussions, people have said, you know, a psychologist, they should have their life together. It's like, well, not really. Not all the time. They, they're human just like us. Exactly. And they're taking on the burdens and problems of, people that they that they are counseling mm-hmm. and oftentimes don't take care of themselves. So um, with Olivia, she's also a perfectionist. And so she pursued multiple degrees, trying to get the love from her family, trying to find love anywhere. And it was never enough. But that was one of the reasons I had her continue on and getting additional degrees and becoming a psychologist. And I also have had people ask me, well, you know, is she, why should she be practicing? Um, That's a good question. Yeah. It's like, you know what? She's real world in terms of real life experiences Mm -hmm. for her. And so why not go to someone who can relate to you and your problems? So she may be a little touched in some areas, but (laughs) don't we all have a little bit of touch somewhere? All of us. And it may find I feel I felt bad because I found myself wanting, you know, because you do relate to characters. I tell people all the time, if you get a strong reaction, good or bad, if I hate that character, if I hate the book, if I love it, that's good. It's when I'm indifferent that it doesn't matter, you know, like "Eh." but I found myself wanting to tell her to cut her mother loose like man she don't care just you got to yeah some relationships you just gotta let go yeah and sometimes it's parental and that's sad because i'm like her mother should be the first person telling you normally it's your parents you're beautiful and it's the outside world that makes you feel less than you know Mm -hmm. but it started with her from home and i was like this is so sad (laughs) <laughs> and I just wanted her to get it together. Uh, but that leads me to the next book. <laughs> Insatiable <laughs> Revenge. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I just bought that one. So I'm going to read that's on my list to read next. So how is that different from Reasonable Insanity? How, how does she grow? How does she change? What can okay. you tell me without giving up? the spoilers getting too much yeah so um in insatiable revenge olivia discovers how her actions impacts the people who she loves the most and so what people will find in reasonable insanity is that there is some criminal activity that she gets wrapped up in (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, so what when she does a map book, now she's got to pay the price and needs to get some counseling. And um, but what she has to decide though, if, is she going to be on team ratchet or on team righteous? <laughs> sometimes you have to make that choice. <laughs> sometimes you have to make that choice, and sometimes you know it's it's a serious struggle. Yeah. And um, so that's one thing that you know she does have some growth in realizing that she has to do better. Otherwise, um, those that she loves, they're going, they are hurt. They are hurting because of what she's already done. But in order to save them, she's got to make some changes. However, she is full of rage and revenge. And there are some people she wants to get some revenge on, but there's also some other people who have this, this this desire that needs to be quenched in order to get revenge back on her. Oh. And, uh, so there's a nice little twist and turns. Okay. In there. And then the other thing in this book, um, some of my readers were asking about Savvy, her best friend. And they're like, we want Savvy to have a love life. We want to know more about Savvy. So Savvy has more of a love life and insatiable revenge. Um, some that are not very healthy for her, but you'll get a chance to meet some interesting male characters that she gets involved with and um, there's one that's a little dangerous for her though and that's where you'll also see a true sense of sisterhood uh, because she's a delta and so we get a chance to see the red army coming out and yes. involved. And yeah so um so yeah this was a really fun book i think it's for me, I love Insatiable Revenge because I also grew as a writer. Mm-hmm. And so I learned some things about um, what I did in Reasonable Insanity, where it's like, okay, how can I take this to the next level with my writing style? And so I love it. Absolutely. Oh, oh good. <laughs> and I was going to ask about Savvy too. And the, the the crime that I'm thinking about, I'm not thinking about the 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 one the major one but you know there were some things that led up to like all along and you're like but then at the end it's like I've I've seen this throughout this book because she's been doing like and I don't think this will give it away she got called shoplifting oh remember and Seth was like look and (laughs) at one point she was like I can't you know continue to be your friend if you're gonna be behaving in this way right she was like and so I, I wondered, so Savage seemed to be like they were friends and they broke apart and they came back and she kind of was the, the voice of reason, mm-hmm. you know, on the edges. And I was hoping, I was like, well, maybe this book, I get to see more of Savvy and how they bond and hopefully repair their friendship because they came back together, but it wasn't like when they were in college in the first, right. from what I remember. So hopefully We'll, I'll get to see them repairing and hopefully help Olivia because <laughs> she need a look. She need a, she need the sisterhood. She need to read on and be like, stand down, Sora. It's not. <laughs> you know, someone asked me, is Olivia also going to be a Delta? I said, y'all, you know, everybody ain't able. <laughs> that is true. Now, now she good shoplifting and stuff. <laughs> she, she might not. Yeah, she's got some things in her history now. Yeah, that she ain't gonna, she ain't gonna make the cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, so, as I said, when it came to writing parts of um, Reasonable Insanity, there was one scene that I wrote 
where my husband was sitting at one end of the table. I'm at the other. Both of us are on our laptops. And all of a sudden I was like, oh no, I can't believe this is happening to Olivia. He's like, you wrote the story. What are you doing? All upset about Olivia. And I said, I just can't believe she's going through this right now. And then people think you're crazy because it's the characters kind of tell you, they inform you, they inform the story and people like, but you created, but it's got to make sense. Right. And that's what I kind of wanted to ask you, because I get this question (laughs) and my niece made me think about it because I wrote my first book a long time ago. And as she, when they were little, I was like, no, you guys can't read it. (laughs) You're in middle school. (laughs) Or and then now she's an adult she was like I can't read it because I think it's you I'm like it's not me <laughs> I just use things around me or things that I know you know to kind of help build the story but she can't set that aside so mm-hmm. I wanted to know how much of your own life do you bring to your stories and I'm gonna ask like they ask is this you <laughs> if not, so how do how do you build your stories I am not Olivia. <laughs> I'm gonna look right into the camera. I am not Olivia. <laughs> However, my mother thinks I'm savvy, but I had to tell her, I said, Mom, I'm not savvy because Savvy's gonna have some things too going on in her world. So, no, I'm not savvy. However, we have similar personalities. Uh, so, but there are one thing in creating Savvy, I could totally relate to mm-hmm. her. Um, her loyalty to her friend, to, to Olivia, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that I thought about some of the things that uh, it's like, how would I handle this situation? And I do look through my lens and, and creating characters and experiences. So there's kind of a combination of things that I see, things that I read, things that I hear, uh, watching news reports and um, and also some things that have happened in my life. So there might be a little here and there. And I was like, oh, yeah, remember when that happened? Yeah. This will make a good I story. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get oh, it. Yes. So let's talk about Jack, Dante, LeBanks, and the Beanstalk. <laughs> uh, I guess it's a, a new twist on Jack and the Beanstalk. Why did you feel the need? Well, one, tell me, give me, like, I guess a let me know what the story is about, how it's different, and what made you want to put a twist on an old fairy tale. So I joined a writer's group, the Tobin Library Writers Group, back in 2016, right after I finished writing Reasonable Insanity. And I formed a relationship with the leader of the group. Um, she was giving us free writing workshops every single month. And so later, she became a publisher. Mm -hmm. and had to separate herself from the writers group so that there wasn't a conflict of interest. So fast forward to 2019, um, she asked me, would I be interested in writing uh, for her? She was doing a whole series of twisted fairy tales. And I at first told her, no, I can't write no fairy tale. You know, I've written, you know, I write adults for books for adults. And she said, oh no, it'd be a book for an adult, for adults. Um, And you can select if you want to write fantasy, horror, or romance. And I just, I really tried to turn it down, but she and her husband convinced me that I could do it. So I said, okay, you know, let me pick something easy. (laughs) I'm going to do a modern day twist of Jack and the Beanstalk. I know the story, didn't have to do any research on it and thought, you know, Jack is a thief 
And so people, how can I get people to relate and love Jack and feel sorry for his situation? So that's where, you know, I was like, this will be a fun um, story to twist and get people to see that he and his mother were going through a pandemic and dealing with the human P merch 45 um, virus and, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and living on a farm. And a lot of the farmers were committing suicide. There's that suicide part again. Um, and, but they had to figure out how to, uh, to survive in order to keep from losing their family farm. And so it was just, what was fun about this is that I had the opportunity to make up a new city, a new um, um, reality, basically. So I created the land of the giants, the city of Xiphus in the Yaganak district of, of giants. And so I had to figure out how do I make it realistic enough so that people can see it, smell it, taste it, hear it, and uh, really feel like you are there where Jack is. And uh, that was a lot of fun. And I never thought that I was going to write, first of all, a fairy tale, and then secondly, a fantasy um, creating a, a new space for people to connect with. And it has a little, little bit of a love story in it. And um, never think, I don't think of myself as a romance writer, um, but this does have some love story elements in it. Yeah, as I was reading the, uh, the summary on your website, one of the characters is like basically being almost held hostage, it seems like, in, in an abusive situation. And maybe it's probably suffering from her own internal demons. And I was like, I wonder what draws you to those type of characters? Because it seems to be connected, even though it's very different from reasonable insanity and insatiable revenge, that seems to be the common thread. What, what makes you want to explore that in, in characters? I think that I'm I'm attracted to stories where you see um, someone who may be at a weak point in their life, and then they find a way to survive and digging inside and figuring out how to um, how to pull out the power that's already within them. And so that was one of the reasons why with Naomi, um, that is the giant's wife, you know, she was really struggling in this relationship with her husband, but I didn't want to make it that, oh my gosh, Naomi's going to have an affair, you know, with Jack. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, I wanted to be um, more so her finding her own strength and drawing on um, the gifts and talents that she already has. Mm -hmm. And so that was really fun, just kind of seeing her develop. Um, but yeah, I, 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 it is interesting that you point that out because I hadn't even thought about that, that this is, um, I do see myself drawn to um, bring into light certain issues. So, you know, with reasonable insanity, it was bulimia, colorism, mental health, bad relationships. In Insatiable Revenge, I talk about um, uh, still relationships, but also cutting. And that's a, you know, a topic that a lot of times we don't hear people talk about, but that exists. And then with um, Jack, you know, it's a matter of survival and also um, digging within and, and being able to escape from um the giant <laughs> so yeah it's, 
Yeah, there's something about that. And also, too, I mean, we, I guess in Black communities, you definitely hear about colorism, but bulimia and cutting, we don't hear about it often, but it does happen. Yeah. And we should talk about them because we're never going to, you know, deal with them appropriately if we don't acknowledge that, you know, because, you know, we say stuff, Black people don't do that. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> yep, it happens. And, and I... I um I observed someone who mm-hmm. was dealing with bulimia for many years and I didn't know it until mm. it got to a tipping point. Uh, this person was able to hide it from her husband. Oh, and um and so and also on the job and everything. And that's what draw, drew me in to want to talk about um, bulimia. And then with cutting, I don't know what it was that triggered that idea with me. Mm-hmm. But after I mentioned it to a few friends, um, one person told me, oh my gosh, my daughter is mm-hmm. a cut. And I had, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Um, another friend is a soror who said that she's a school counselor. Mm-hmm. And she um, told me about the issues that they had with cutting. Um, my sister, who's also a sore, she's a school counselor as well. And she helped to teach me more um, because I was thinking that people who cut are suicidal. But I learned, no, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's just they're hurting so much inside. This is one way to release that pain. Mm-hmm. And so um, what people will see with insatiable revenge is that um, one of Olivia's loved ones, she's dealing with a lot because she's lost a lot. And she's seeing that something's going to be taken away from her. So cutting was is a, a release for her. Oh. And also really get some additional attention. So I can't wait to read it. I'm reading Ooh. a book right now. I gotta finish that <laughs> one, then I'm gonna start. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's juicy. It is. <laughs> so not only are you authoring books and fairy tales, but you're also a screenwriter. You're working on a film project called, uh, uh, it's a uh, documentary on African-American music. Tell me about that. Okay. It's called The Quilt, right? It's called The Quilt. Look it up. Okay, tell me about it. So this came about because I was asked by a couple of sorors to lead a panel discussion for the classic theater here in San Antonio um, called Amplifying Black Female Voices. And this was during uh, the pandemic. So we were um, coming, you know, there were all these different things going on in society that were impacting the Black community, um, such as you know, the George Floyd murder and uh, Black Lives Matter and things that were uh, we were seeing in terms of police brutality, how we're being impacted throughout the pandemic with education, what's happening to our students, technology not being there, you know, just all these things. And so the... Um, uh, the executive director for the theater, she was a white woman mm-hmm. who saw this need to educate their audience, which is primarily, were primarily a white audience. She wanted to bring together black women to talk about these topics. So I ended up moderating the panel discussions. And one of the people that was in this virtual audience worked for Musical Bridges Around the World, which is a nonprofit here in San Antonio. And she reached out to me and said, hey, we're looking for a writer. I heard when you moderated this panel that you are a writer and we need a writer to create a film for children about African-American music because they were taking 
um, music into the schools from different countries. So they had Ukraine and Japan and um, you know music from everywhere. But based on what was going on with the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, these teachers said they were interested in teaching the kids about African-American music. Mm-hmm. So they just wanted a little film that, you know, to pop in and show the kids. And I said, no, I don't write film. For, you know, I'm always trying to turn it down. I was like, maybe I can find you a film, write a screenwriter. I don't write films and I don't write for kids, blah, blah, blah. They're like, no, we want you. We think you can do it. So they commissioned me <laughs> to write this film and it turned into a full out production. They had to hire an entertainment attorney, a production team. And, um, and then they said, well, after I wrote it and we, I wrote it only for two characters because of COVID, we needed it to be a small cast. And, um, and then the actors would have to rehearse on Zoom mm-hmm. until time to film in person. And they said, hey, do you know any um, actors? And one of the actors is, is for, was for a little girl role. And uh, I said, well, my niece is an actress, but she lives in Memphis. I had to read the script to see if it was relatable and blah, blah, blah. And uh, they said, well, we can fly her in from Memphis. We want oh, to hire good. her. Okay. And then they said, what about you? Do you act? And I said, what? <laughs> I haven't acted since I was in college. And they were like, no, we think you can do it. And plus you get this synergy with your niece. And so they hired me to act in it. So this was the most incredible project because not only did I get to write it, but I got to act in it and then was able to edit it to really fit our personalities. So the whole idea is that it is to teach, it started out to teach children, but now we're hearing that adults are interested in the content. So to educate people on the African-American music genres going from the time during, music during the time of slavery, Negro spirituals, ragtime, Harlem Renaissance, the blues, jazz, um, gospel, civil rights movement, soul, R&B, and hip hop. (laughs) Hey, quilt. The quilt. And the whole thing about the quilt is that, you know, a quilt has layers with pieces of material all stitched together. And the same thing with African-American music. There are connections between the music from the past to the music of the present. And so that's why I named it the quilt. And our our goal is to launch it to some international music festivals and uh, film festivals in the fall and then roll it out. And we're hoping PBS may pick it up. Yeah. And then we'll roll it out completely to the public in the fall. Ah, that's amazing. I love it. So you're busy. (laughs) Your life has slowed down from corporate to, to being a writer. So tell me about the life of a full-time writer. Mm, You know, it's been fun. I I must say, I didn't see this coming. And I thought for sure, I was like, I'm all about pharmaceutical industry. And, you know, this is what I love, talking to doctors and the science and everything. But since I've been writing books, I, I can't see myself going back into corporate America. I love being able to see how my brain comes up with ideas and being able to see stories come together. And so it is exciting for me to be able to write. Now, do I do as much writing as I should? No, I do not. Um, And I I don't believe in saying there's writer's block. It's just lazy brain. (laughs) 
you know, it's like it, it, what, what really helped me. And even though this was is not exciting to have to be at home during the pandemic, but that made me be still long enough to write two books, Insatiable Revenge and Jack. Um, and now that I'm getting back out and about again, it really takes some discipline to say, OK, I'm going to write as you know, try to write every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, but that's uh, I started doing the Nano uh, Remo, um, yeah, just to see if I would stick with it. And I've been doing okay with it. About six thousand words into my next book. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I was gonna ask you, what did you have next on the horizon? So this is what's really interesting, um, and I'm trying to see how I can make this work. I hired a ghostwriter to take. Uh, reasonable insanity and adapt it to a book. I mean, from a book to a film. And I was going to try to write the film script myself, but my learning curve is so high and trying to really condense 300 pages down to, you know, a script, a movie script. And so I decided, let me go ahead and invest in a, in a ghostwriter. Well, the ghostwriter and I decided instead of doing a, uh, complete book adaptation where the book would be exactly like the film or the film would be exactly like the book that we would do it inspired by. Mm-hmm. And so the film, the script is beautiful. The structure, everything is just beautiful. And so I was on a call with an editor and I said, Hey, you know, I, before this book becomes, before this film script is made into a movie, do you think I should go ahead and write a book that reflects this inspired by story because I want to get some book sales <laughs> out of this. <laughs> and the, the script gives the backstory on Olivia. Oh, okay. So this would be a third book in the series. But then what this editor suggested is take the script, totally change the characters mm. and change parts of the story to where she has, you know, this character has some other things going on in their life and turn that into a book and then pitch that one as a movie after the book. It's crazy. It's so crazy. But I got so into this concept and writing now from the film script to a book. And it is, it is, it's it's lovely. (laughs) Well, that's good. So any advice you would have for someone who is aspiring to be a writer or, you know, write full-time or part-time or whatever, what, what advice would you give them about your journey? I would say the first thing is show yourself some grace when it comes to creating stories. I know we all would love for the stories to get out of our heads right away and on the paper, and then you get published and win awards and all that stuff. Well, it doesn't always work that way. <laughs> I would say the first thing first, though, is to put your butt in the seat and write. We cannot, the world can't enjoy whatever it is that you want to create until you get the words out of your head and onto paper. So that's always my thing is just sit down and whether you, out if you're an outliner, you know, if you like to plot things out, do that. If you're what they call a pantser, where you really fly by the seat of your pants and you just write that's the way I write I'm not a I don't plot it all out I've tried that but it doesn't work for me um but figure out what works for you if it's typing or if it's writing on a in a journal or 
you know, whatever it is, just get the words out. Don't edit until after you have written. Because <laughs> if you try to edit while you're writing, you won't get the book done. Because every time you look at it, you're like, oh, I missed it. Oh, let me change that. So just get the, the words out. And then also be a constant learner. Um, I love what you're doing with, you know, having the podcast because you're curious and you're asking great questions. And, and I love taking classes on Eventbrite. I'm all about free. I love my, my middle, my, my main name is Freeman and I live by that. They can be seen free, but I love free classes. There are classes that I've taken from, um, people, a person in Seattle and, you know, in London and, um, but just teaching, writing, um, ways to hone your skills. Mm -hmm. And so then I can elevate my skill set and continue to make it even better. So, um, and then interacting with other writers is very encouraging. Um, I remember back when I first started pitching Reasonable Insanity to find a publisher, I was getting rejected. And, you know, in this business, a lot of times the rejection is that you don't hear from the publisher that you've submitted to or an agent. And it took another author to tell me, you know, don't worry, this just means you need to go back in and polish your manuscript and also work on your query letter. But this is what makes you a professional because now you really have to dig in and look at your work and see what you need to do to make it better. So I, that's why it's important to, you know, communicate with other authors and have that network, that support group. Um, because when someone starts reading your work and, and, and editing and, you know, reviewing it, it feels like someone's just ripped the sore off of a, oh, off of yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I don't know what it took to, I mean, it's at least 80,000, 75,000 words that you put together and they see one mistake and it's like, ah, Oh, she's horrible. And I'm like, yeah. but all of the other great things. <laughs> all these the words that I put together are wonderful and you know it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you for even taking the call before, but definitely being a guest. Um, I think uh, this was good information. I can't wait to read uh, Insatiable uh, Revenge and Jack. That name though, Jack Dunn Taylor Banks. I was saying it to my niece today. <laughs> she got, she was like, "What?" I was Did like, I tell you how I came up that when we talked before? No, so no, we, no. Okay, so the publisher said that their the title has to be an anagram of the name of the fairy tale, mm -hmm. and I just couldn't get it all to work. So you know, you have to have the all the same letters. So I took Jack out of it but the uh dante labanks mm -hmm. is beanstalk <laughs> <laughs> wait is that right wait with the back end of beanstalk so somehow or another those letters are all a part of jack and the beans his name that's that's interesting the <laughs> whole name i was like because I, when i was trying to remember it i was like okay what jack something with a d and then when i read it i was like oh i hope i remember this on the show but <laughs> when i read the synopsis i was like oh this seems kind of interesting <laughs> i'm gonna have to read it and uh the giant was darius i was like oh, yes I the asthmatic giant <laughs> <laughs> giant with asthma <laughs> and mean and you're abusive 
Yeah. Oh, I, I, I like that. interesting stuff like that. So I can't wait to read it. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I, I enjoyed your questions and oh, thank uh, you. It was so much fun. <laughs> thank you. I have three quick, three more questions for you. Oh. And then we'll wrap up. What is your superpower? Oh, <laughs> uh, prayer. Okay. I love that. What is your kryptonite? Oh, my kryptonite. My husband? (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. This is the second time someone has said that. And it was Asara, too. I just released her episode like this week. She said the same (laughs) thing. Okay, husbands, I need (laughs) y'all to. They mean it in a loving way. Yes. 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 Speaking of love, I heard um, Will Smith on a podcast, like right before I started this season, I think it was with Quest Love. And he said a lot of times people want love, they want to receive love, but they don't even know how to define what love is to them. So what does love mean to you? How do you define it? Mm. Um, well, first of all, now, if I get biblical, that's okay. The greatest love of all is, um, it comes from the Lord. And, um, and so I think when we, when we model the way that God loves all of us, it means you are giving your all, you're giving your best. And so I think that goes into the relationships that we have, that you are looking to um, to give your all to someone is a mutual respect for each other, um, sacrificing and um, where you, and you can really look to find the best in each other. Um, but sometimes you're not going to find that best and you mm-hmm. have to still find it within yourself to see beyond someone's flaws and they're seeing beyond your flaws mm-hmm. and still finding that that attraction to each other so um so that's what that's how I would say I look at love it feels good good. (laughs) Uh, I I love love I was just listening to Jill Scott I just want to be loved listen that is my girl (laughs) I, I I up until like probably when she left Hidden Beach I kind of go back but I used to buy every cd if yes. she got the CD, I, it's in probably in my trunk. You remember the case of CDs? Uh, yes, I, I have it. <laughs> I, I, and that is on my bucket list is to go see her. And that was one of my favorite songs because she expressed that so beautifully. I it just really want to be loved like everybody else does. Like I like, heard that this. yesterday and it just, yes. And, and, you know, I saw Jill in Arlington. Mm-hmm. Uh, years ago but my my dream is to see her in philadelphia oh. from her hometown in a lounge setting because that's just like a small yeah. setting oh my gosh that listen <laughs> on that note we will end the show where can people find you where can they purchase the books i am if they want to interact with me i am on all of the major social media platforms facebook twitter and instagram um my books can be found on my website um they can uh, the website is cynthia freeman gibbs 
com. So it's my full name, Cynthia Freeman Gibbs.com. Um, but if they're looking to buy books that are in ebook form or audio, I have audiobook only for reasonable insanity. They can find those on Amazon. So they can also purchase my book in paperback, but if they want an autographed book, go to my website and I will sign it. You can decide if you want it personalized, author signature only, or no signature at all. That is true. And I'm also I just did it. for book clubs and uh, both virtual. I'm getting back into in-person book clubs. So please reach out to me through my website and invite me to meet with you and your book club. I love it. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you for coming and have a good day. Thank you so much. You too. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. But before you get out of here, I just wanted to update you on a few changes on where you can find me. You can now find me on www.tracyjcast.com. You can find me on Instagram at tracyjcast and Facebook at author tracyjcast. You can still email me at homegirlpod at gmail.com, but you can also reach me at tracyjcast at gmail.com. Just trying to bring all of the things that I do, the writing, the podcast, and the blogging into one umbrella so you can know where to find me. So don't forget to subscribe, share with a friend, and give me a five-star rating. If you already listened, send this to two or three friends right now who you think would enjoy the show. I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks and have a great day.